Welcome, adventurers. If you have not yet listened to episode 12, please do so now. For the rest, Soldrig and his squad of hobgoblins believe they have found a way to launch a surprise attack on the city of Feld's Crossing from the north. But fate has brought four adventurers across their path. What will become of Soldrig's plans? Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon We cannot be discovered, Soldrig said. There is no room for error in what is about to come. We must handle these travelers quickly. And then, turning to Morop, Captain. Morop moved forward as Soldrig took a step back. The plan is a simple one. We know there is only one entrance and exit from the hall. We will wait until the party is inside the great hall. Cut them off from the exit, and kill all but one. Iglak, you are to keep watch outside. Stay hidden. After they have entered, you will make sure none escape. Gervid, gather what bits of detritus and rubble you can find, and head to the corner of the room by the kitchen. You are to rig a pile to collapse, making a large noise to draw their attention your way. When the party turns towards you, that will be the rest of our signal to attack. Morop turned, pointing to four of the others. You four have one job. Bows trained on the human in robes, who we suspect to be a magic user. You fire until he drops. Then you wait in reserve for orders from the general or myself. Morop pointed to another two. You two are with me. We take out the big one. We attack in unison. No mucking about. Finally, he turned to Novleg. You are with the general. You two, with Iglak in reserve, will block off the entrance once the party is in the hall, closing the net. And then, addressing the entire company. After that, we dispatch the last human. The sickly dwarf is to be kept alive for questioning. We must know what their business is, and if anyone else is following them, or expecting their return. We have less than half a bell. Get into your positions and stay alert. Morop finished. The soldiers quickly went about their tasks, readying weapons and finding their places. They were professionals. The situation was not ideal, but all they needed to do now was execute the plan, and they would soon be back about their business of taking Feld's Crossing. The faintest bit of torchlight became visible, spilling through the door leading into the hall. Morop raised his hand to his lips and then settled. As they waited, the light steadily grew. And then, stepping through the door, was the big one. Torch held aloft in his hand. He stopped just past the door, raising the torch higher, casting an arc of light out across the hall's floor. Waiting in silence, Morop was mortified as he heard a small scrape from behind. He silently turned 
glaring at the soldier who had made the noise while adjusting his footing. Looking back, he saw that the human was motionless, eyes closed, straining to hear. A knot formed in Morop's stomach. And then the human jumped, startled, hand moving towards his axe. Morop tensed, gripping his sword tight, but he held his hand to stop his unit from any action. And then, with no concern, the dwarf. No, it was not a dwarf, but a gnome with a long beard, strolled into the room. After a brief pause to scowl at the big one, the gnome continued into the hall. The human clenched his fist tightly for a moment, and his body went rigid, his face turning red. Slowly it relaxed, and he waved a hand toward the door behind him, turning then to move further into the hall. The robed human appeared first, holding a parchment of some sort in front of him. A few beats later, the last human, draped in chainmail, finally stepped just through the door. As he did, the big human stopped again, and this time he drew his axe. And to Morop's dismay, he turned to look right where he and his unit were standing. The human at the door considered the big one, and then followed suit, drawing his shield and mace, and faced vaguely in the direction from which the ambush waited. The robed one looked up, stopping in place. Morop wasn't sure what to do. How did they know they were there? Should he attack now? No. He would wait for the general to make the first move. The silence drug on. And then the robed one finally moved, making his way to where the big one stood. Morop had been cautioned against optimism, but the general had said nothing about luck, which it seemed had just turned their way. The skinny-robed human held the parchment toward the big one and began to whisper. And then, at long last, the clatter of falling stones from the far side of the hall. Morop quickly dropped his hand, signaling the attack. Just as the stones fell, the big human made a quick move toward the sound of the clatter. The one in the chainmail by the door was slightly slower, but also turned. The robed human looked wildly in all directions, startled from the study of his paper. The low thrum of arrows sounded as Morop and his unit began their rush towards the center of the room and their foe. He grinned mid-stride as he saw three of the arrows take purchase in the robed one, who slumped to the ground even before they arrived. Morop charged on, two hobgoblins in stride with him to his right. This would be over quickly. The big human spun back in time to see his companion felled. His head flicked left for the briefest of times. It appeared he did not see Morop and his companions. Until the last moment. The soldier to his right swung a blow that Morop was sure would strike their foe directly in the head. But the human ducked at the last second, disappearing from sight. The next thing he knew, there was an excruciating pain in his midsection. The air rushed from his lungs, and he lost his footing. His sword clattered to the ground. It felt as if Morop had run full speed into a rock. His vision swam for a moment as he gasped for breath. None came. Frantically, he tried to roll off of his back, the effort blurring his vision even further. And for a moment, Morop thought he would pass out. And then, as if ice had instantly become water, his diaphragm released and air rushed in, cold and painful. 
a ragged, gasping inhale. One last surge of feeling like unconsciousness would take him, and then he could move again. He rolled as quickly as he could to his hands and knees, scuttled to his dropped sword, picking it up as he forced himself to stand. As he stood, he was struck with disbelief. One of his soldiers lay dead on the floor, and the human was raising his axe one-handed to land a finishing blow on his other companion who struggled, face down on the floor, before the towering man. Morop's disbelief turned to rage. He raised his two-handed sword over his head and charged. He would end this nuisance. The human's axe flashed down. Only two more steps. The human swung his direction, arm reaching towards a weapon at his side. Their eyes met. Morop could see the human register that he was beaten, that Morop would deliver his death. He began a powerful downward blow. An odd whistle came from before him. A flash of movement over the human shoulder, and then a sharp pain and blindness in his right eye. He barely registered the collision between him and his opponent. And then he was falling. Falling. He was on his back again. Falling. Was he looking at the ceiling or into the night sky? All light faded. More up was no more. Soldrig strode confidently forward, Novlig to his left, his simmering irritation at the fact that the whole plan had almost failed because Morop couldn't keep his men quiet was being replaced by the rush of adrenaline he felt whenever he entered combat. The fool in front of them with the chainmail and shield had turned at just the wrong time, and Soldrig had began his approach at just the right time. As his opponent began to turn back to face them, it was already too late. A perfectly placed blow landed where the neck meets the shoulder. Soldrig's razor-sharp sword traveled deep into the flesh and bone. The enemy's muscles failed, and his mace dropped to the ground as he tried to step away. Soldrig pressed in, smashing the human to the ground with a resounding blow from his shield. Pathetic, Soldrig thought, peering down at his felled opponent. Off to his right, he could hear the sounds of combat beginning in the center of the hall. Soldrig stepped forward with one huge foot and pinned the human shield arm to the floor. He raised his sword and paused as he saw for the first time the slightly pointed ears of his defeated foe and smiled. You have elf blood in you. The half-elf looked at him, coughing up blood as he spat. May a demon slay you alive. Soldrig's smile deepened. He might try, he responded, and then his blade flashed again, cleaving into the other side of the half-elf's neck. Wiping his sword on his defeated foe, Soldrig looked to the engagement at the center of the room. Morop was bearing down on the back of the large human, who had just sunk his axe into a hobgoblin who lay in front of him on the floor. The human spun. Morop's sword began a downward arc. And then something changed. Morop's form went limp as the sword blow finished. There was a collision, and both Morop and the human crashed to the floor. Morop's form wriggled and then was rolled to the side, unmoving. The human appeared from beneath the captain's body, coming to his knees. Soldrig, irritated at the current turn of events, called to Novlig. 
Watch the door while I deal with this mess. Novleg nodded and moved to follow orders. Soldrig started without hesitation toward the large man. The human noticed him. As he did, Soldrig called to the reserve unit. Stop standing around, you worthless curs. This man killed your brothers. I want his head. Yes, 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 general, came the unit's reply, bows clattering to the ground. The sound of swords being drawn and footsteps could be heard as the unit began its advance. Seeing Soldrig, the human pushed his way to his feet and fled in the opposite direction, out of the torchlight and into the dark corner of the room. The human yelled once. His fate had been decided. The big man had fled into a corner with no escape. Soldrig went to the discarded torch which lay on the floor and picked it up. As the reserve unit passed him, he called. Treat him with care. He has already ended three of you. Corner him and attack from all sides. He began to stride toward the corner to witness the human's end. In the darkness ahead, Soldrig heard the clatter of metal on stone. The unit which had spread out in front of him and moved cautiously stopped, stunned as the torchlight touched the corner of the hall. There was a flicker of movement and the man seemed to disappear into the wall. General. A hobgoblin called an alarm from ahead. He disappeared. Soldrig snarled. Impossible. Even as he quickened his pace. As he did, he heard Gervid call from near the kitchen. There is a crack in the corner of the room. It is small. He can't have gotten far. Hearing this, Soldrig rushed to the corner holding the torch up to see the crack Gervid spoke about, and the human jammed between broken earth and smiled. The smile immediately vanished as the human squatted, and then most of the large man disappeared further, only a foot sticking out of an even smaller hole within the crack. Soldrig cursed, jammed himself into the crack, and swung one awkward blow. Were it a lesser creature, nothing would have come of it, but with Soldrig's massive power, Years of training and favored sword, the attack cleaved part of the fleeing man's foot clean off. Soldrig heard the muffled cry of his enemy, and then the leg disappeared completely from sight into the darkness. Soldrig tried to move further in, but he could not. The crack was too small. He let out a cry of pure frustration and then ripped himself forcibly back into the main chamber. Blood trickled down one cheek from a now-scraped face. He stood breathing heavily for a time. And then, in a nearly conversational tone, he spoke. Gervid, might I speak to you for a moment? The four hobgoblins of the reserve unit eyed the general nervously. They parted as he arrived from his spot near the kitchen. He made his way to stand in front of the general, stiff and visibly shaking. You oversaw the search of this section, did you not, Gervid? Soldrig asked. Yes, General. And you were aware of this crack? A hesitant pause, and then reluctantly. Yes, General. In response, a blur of movement as Soldrig swung his sword. Gervid's head toppled from his shoulders. The four remaining hobgoblins flinched, but stayed where they were, afraid to move. Soldrig sheathed his sword. 
You four find whatever you can and dig this crevice out. I will not live in a house with a rat in the walls. The four scattered. Soldrig made his way to where Novlig guarded the entrance and stopped in front of him, staring intently down at him. Novlig wilted under the gaze, swallowing, eyes downcast. Soldrig finally spoke. Go outside and find Iglak. Let him know he has been promoted to captain. Soldrig was enraged to hear that there was no sign of the gnome. Iglak was sure his stint as captain would be short-lived as Soldrig blistered him with questions. But he insisted over and over that he had not seen any sign of the little one's escape, and the questioning eventually ended. The door leading to the exit from the hall was hastily reinforced and kept closed and guarded at all times per Soldrig's angry orders even as he muttered about rats in the walls. The entire structure was searched again by Soldrig himself, other than the dagger in Morop's eye, which they had to assume came from the gnome. No trace of him was discovered. The body of the scrawny human had been searched. As Soldrig had kicked it over from its front to lie on its back, a silver and emerald amulet had flopped loose from under his robes. Soldrig had kneeled by the body, looking at the amulet for a moment before breaking the silver chain that held it around the human's neck and shoving the treasure with one large hand into his pouch. The parchment that the human had been reading had fell beneath him in death and was now nearly illegible, covered and stained in the human's blood. As Novleg held it up, it ripped in half. It seemed to be a map of this place, but it was difficult to tell in its current state. The digging had continued for several hours, but it was slow going as they had no shovels, so they dug with swords, spears, and broken planks. As Soldrig sat in the middle of the hall staring at the closed entrance door, he heard the digging stop, and then a shout of dismay. He arrived at the partially excavated corner to total chaos. Novleg lay dead on the floor. Two hobgoblins ran past Soldrig, one whimpering, one screaming, both terrified. The remaining two swung ineffectually at the ghostly image of a humanoid woman who floated above them. A chill passed through Soldrig, even as an odd sensation he had not felt in years welled up inside him. Fear. As he stood shivering, he watched as the translucent form of the woman dove into one of the hobgoblins, who then convulsed for a moment, then turned to his companion and ran him through. The hobgoblin slowly turned and stared at Soldrig, bloody sword in hand. Soldrig began backing away, calling angrily over his shoulder. Retreat. We abandon this cursed hall. Soldrig and his three remaining men stood in the clearing, staring back at the stone arch. 
Without knowing what has become of the gnome or the now footless man, we must abandon this route and recover as quickly as possible. Soldrig spat at the ground in the direction of the arch. We are vulnerable until our forces are reunited. I will not be caught flat-footed. Soldrig turned to face the three others, regarding each for a moment. And then, Iglak, contact Colonel Uttug. Have him recall Scourge Company on the double. Tell him to move our forces into position to lay siege to Feld's Crossing immediately. He will hold the siege. No attacks until I am able to rejoin the army. He then began to walk, leading them away. The city of Feld's Crossing has narrowly missed an unknown threat, only to face an imminent siege. Thank you so very much for listening to the stories of Season 1 of Tales from the Dungeon. As you can imagine, there are many more tales to tell, and they will be told. Please join me for the next two weeks for some insight and discussion on Season 1, and maybe a hint or two on what is to come in Season 2 and beyond. Brasilia's blessing on you all. Hey, we made it through season one. You made it, I made it. And hopefully you enjoyed. Um, this is just an opportunity for me to say again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Really appreciate all the support and all the listens. And if you want to do more for Tales from the Dungeon, I would always love anything you can do, which would be telling a friend, uh, writing a review on any of the formats you may listen to itunes spotify podbean uh any any anywhere you listen just give it a thumbs up give it a like let somebody know uh leave a review those are all huge things and if you really want to make my day head over to my patreon page and sign up become a patron and really become one of the reasons tales from the dungeon is a success. So if you want to head over there, the website is www.patreon.com forward slash speaking stone studio. Again, that's www.patreon.com forward slash speaking stone studio. And you will have not only access to very early releases, way before anyone else hears these uh, episodes, you will have my undying gratitude. So thank you so much. Much, much more to come.